afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're going to look at this cattle market. Believe it or not, bullish maybe on these cattle and compared to the past couple of weeks as we wonder where are we at when it comes to cattle movement and what's it going to be like when fall gets here. We're in August now, which means fall is literally next month for some. Is there packers willing to take on the inventory and how has been COVID retail trade export demand been going? And let's throw the fact in that kids in many areas are going back to school. Is that going to cause some issues when it comes to supplies? We're going to find out that and a whole lot more as Brad Coima joins us with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. And let's start out cattle market here, Brad. Bullishness, what are you thinking? Well, yeah, I, I, I'd much rather be a glass half full guy. Uh, but sometimes the market doesn't, uh, you know, you still have to express what you what you think is happening here. But I'm happy to say that I feel much better about the markets here over the last uh, two weeks. I think we've seen uh, some things change a little bit, albeit some of it is subtle. Um, but uh, one of the things uh, that you highlighted in your on your uh, on your little preamble there was it seems like the packer activity, and I think that's worth mentioning. I, I think that the the way he's handled himself, the packer here, has changed a little bit the last couple of weeks. You know, when we got into this COVID era stuff where you'd have uh, some of the buyers would come out and say, okay, well, that buyer, he can buy three loads of cattle. That buyer from a different firm might say, well, I can buy 200 cattle. Uh, and these almost uh, sympathetic uh, bids uh, that were out there uh, were just, you know, very, very small numbers. Uh, I, I, I think that that has changed in a large way for at least a couple of the majors where they've been seen willing to take on inventory. Uh, which I think is a good sign. It would tell me that either they've got meat sold, either that or they're getting to a point where we're a little more current. And I believe both are the case. I think um, the north, I think, is actually quite current. Iowa and Nebraska, I think Kansas and Texas are closer to it than most people believe or or want to think they are uh, based on you know their models of what got backed up. Uh, it's not perfect. But uh, futures are futures, and futures anticipate those sort of things. And, and it seems to me like that's maybe what the futures have done here the last few days, where they start to you know, anticipate maybe that these numbers are getting a little more in line and a little more caught up. And it, that since then, you've taken the futures up into a level now where now you're getting fun sport, you know, uh, breaking out into new highs here again today, a chart that looks great. Uh, and so you get some fund involvement. So it's certainly a lot more fun to talk about that than the rest of that sideways stuff we'd had for the last three months. So as we look at where we are inventory-wise, are we playing catch-up from these last couple of months? And is there concern with somewhat normal coming back to school and, and businesses? Well, the um, I think the, the in terms of the inventory, and of course this is a guess, uh, I believe that uh, we're going to be back in a more normalized uh, supply situation, I think, within maybe 30 days or so. Uh, that's where the balance of, like I've tried to explain before on your program, of the light placements of February, March, April caught up with the cattle carried forward, right? So, uh, you know, I think that we're close to that. Um, in fact, I think as we move into fall from a supply side standpoint, I think we actually could have a few less cattle than a year ago. Now, now looking ahead here, you know, obviously I wish we had the HRI trade. I wish we had the hotel restaurant business back going. Uh, I was, I was in Denver, uh, for meetings last week and, yeah, the restaurants are generally opened. It's not like it used to be, though. Um, 
and there's many places that there is uh, not nearly the hotel restaurant trade. Now, to balance that, though, you've probably all seen these statistics, how the retail trade is up 35% or something like that. Um, and actually, the export news is actually pretty good. Uh, you know, the, the, nobody wants to talk about good news, but the export business of the Pacific Rim, particularly Japan and South Korea, are excellent. Um, these trade deals are working. Um, so, you know, I'd like to think that as you move back toward more normal, which hopefully we do in the next three to five months, right? Maybe we get a vaccine. Maybe we get going again here where people can go away. Um, you know, I, I think that the demand picture is quite bright, uh, frankly, on the cattle. So uh, we still got some interesting supply models to work through. You know, the postponement of the placements is a problem. I, we're working on trying to figure out what that means. Obviously, the carryover of the cattle, we couldn't get dead, yada, yada. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think you know, after everything we've gone through, that there's more reasons to be optimistic than negative. And, and that's good because we need some optimism in this livestock market. You got that right, because there ain't much to go on on the next one we're going to talk about. I assume we're going to talk about those stinking <laughs> hogs eventually, right? Yeah, that's where I was headed right now. I mean, they got another gut punch today when it came to prices. Uh, front months just collapsed again. Uh, you know, there, there's a little news out there that's a little bit hopeful, and it, basically it's export news. So, you know, it's decent. China's involved. Uh, uh, but yeah, lately, I think the problem this morning seemed to stem from what, what, what is, is being... Uh, at, uh, described as just a very, very lackluster pork trade, uh, meat trade there, uh, continue to have a, a, a deal where there's just an awful lot of it. I, what happened to the belly rally? That's what we used to get when the tomatoes would get ripe. Um, you know, BLT, no kidding. I mean, it used to be a big seasonal, so we can't even seem to get a bounce in the belly market anymore. Um, obviously, we're still dealing with a oversupply. We're still trying to catch up. What we didn't get dead a month ago and the month before that, um, I wish I had something I could give the guys on the hog side here. I, I, I think the market's undervalued. I think that the market longer term should get a little better. In the short term, we need to see lower weights, improved demand on the pork product, something you can sink your teeth into. Otherwise, I'm afraid we're stuck with the same poor market. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to continue to talk about this livestock side, and then we will jump into the happenings of what we're seeing in the grain complex, including we've got that crop rating coming out and wondering, is it another round of numbers? And when do we make that shift from supply to demand on that crop? Stick around. A lot more is coming up on this Monday. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation with Brad Coyman. Brad, we were talking when we left with this hog market, and I know that uh, just like in the cattle, we need to see that consumer demand step up to be able to help this market out a little bit. Yeah, we certainly do because it seems like um, you know we can we can throw this this uh, export demand at the market and it just doesn't stick. Um, so uh, I I have been surprised that in a retail sector we haven't had it we have had a bit of an uptick in the pork demand uh, but nothing like you've seen in the beef sector um, so I don't know if you're looking at just a more you know static demand you know that people are going to eat whatever pork chops so many times a week or whatever uh, I know 
I know this is going to sound like a disparaging comment, and I don't mean it to be at all. I'm on the pork producer side, but I do keep hearing, you know, from some of the demand sectors uh, that, you know, people are uh, port out is the term that you hear. In other words, you know, I mean, it, it's a very economical, it's a very good product, but there's just, you know, can you, how many times a week can you eat it? Um, now, I, I, I guess maybe a little bit of a rebalancing here if we get back to normal. Uh, that we'll see more of a, you know, more of a trade. I, I don't understand because it seems to me like pork is more often a deal where you do eat it at home and don't eat it maybe restaurant as much at the restaurant that it wouldn't have that same effect. But yeah, I, I'm 100% behind the pork guys. I, I just, I, I'm disappointed, uh, discouraged that we can't seem to get a little more demand. But hey, demand is relative to the supply too. And you're pouring that much supply into the, into the pipeline. You know, it just takes an ocean of demand to eat it up. And speaking of ocean, we're not seeing, I mean, we're seeing some good exports, but again, on the short term, things really need to pick up the pace. Well, you need to have extraordinary exports to carry over, to, to, to offset this extraordinary supply that we've had. You know, so, the exports are all right, but they, they need to be off the charts. And, uh, yeah, we're not quite there yet. So uh, let's hope we get something better. This this hog industry is, is upside down, of course. And, and so I, I, I hope that by the time we start talking here in a couple more weeks that we've had a little bit of help. You know, with the COVID-19 going on, I think all the seasonals are out the window. I don't think that they carry much weight at all. Let's jump over to the grain side of the trade. And I like to say every time we talk grains and conditions, we know that not everybody has perfect growing conditions. We know that there's dry land areas in, in north, you know, northwest Iowa, in parts of Nebraska, Kansas, that are really seeing the struggle factor. But the overall picture, things have looked good in these crop ratings as we get into August just keep improving, which is not something we're used to. Uh, you got that right. You know, typical the trend line deal and that would be you start with the ratings high and they just continue to slowly deteriorate through the summer because it shows up areas that are less than ideal conditions <clears throat> you know i i guess it's going to be hard for me to sit here and stomp my foot and say the crop's no good because in a lot of places the crop is very very good uh, are there some areas that are less than perfect yeah if you you go about 20 miles from where i'm standing right here and then go generally to the south and east down toward ames there's, there's probably, a, you know, a, a 10, 12, 14, 15 counties there in, in north central Iowa that are, you know, been hurt because of a lack of rain. Uh, they'll have some measure of a crop, but it ain't going to be a monster. Um, I know there's places in northeast Nebraska that I'm familiar with that are also dry land is in tough shape. Um, but, um, you know, I, I what, what I, <clears throat> we'll find out here in another hour or so what the crop ratings look like, and I'm sure they'll be pretty good. I am hopeful that maybe the market can take this news and start to go, okay, we get it. We got a big supply of corn. We got a big carry out of corn. We don't have a big carry out of beans. Okay? Now, we know that. That's why we're priced where we are. That's now what do we do with it from here? Uh, and then maybe, maybe does the market go to um, a demand uh, orientation perhaps? maybe recognize that we've had two or three weeks here of awfully good export news uh, across to China. Um, that may have something to do with where they're at in the African swine fever syndrome. So I I just cannot really get myself all bared up at the price levels that we're at. These are reflective of the lows, recent lows. Uh, I, you know, is it going to come spinning out of here and go a lot higher? now? I don't see that either. But I, first thing is we got to stop going lower. Build a little better demand base. That's what the function of the market is, to go to a price low enough to increase demand. I think that's what we're doing right now. Um, and I guess I'd like to think that we'll put a big crop, put an early low in sometime during the month. Maybe we already have. 
uh, you got a bit of a upside down head and shoulders formation on the corn that I hope holds. Uh, so there's a few things going on there. It's just it's hard for me to see the market getting up and flying out of here too. But to be realistic, and we know the demands there because we've seen it come from China. Well, yeah, and I think you know I, to me there's still a story there um, that well that is AFS. I you know you've noticed you know obviously we've been talking about nothing but COVID nineteen, but the uh, um, <clears throat> the there there are some industry expert experts that have some of a bit of a toehold over there that uh, I, I know a little bit that that say that yes they are actually in the in the aggressive rebuild stage. Of- What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brad? 800-358-3047. And thanks for having me on again. I look forward to the next time. Thanks so much, Brad Coyman. Join us. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.